a surgeon was getting ready to operate and he said, David, remain calm. This is just minor surgery. The patient looked at the surgeon and said, Doc, my name's not David. The surgeon replied to the patient, I know, my name is David. Well, the last thing you want to hear before going into surgery is the surgeon trying to calm himself down by talking to himself. However, God wants us to talk to him in order to remain calm in the situations where we find ourselves anxious and worried and fearful. And so as we've been walking through the book of Philippians, we're using the acronym CALM, and the first letter C is to celebrate God's goodness in the midst of whatever's going on in life, whether it be a pandemic or any other stressor in life. We understand that God is good, he is sovereign, he is merciful, the Lord is near, and so we don't have to fear. And the A is ask for help. We're moving into that prayer part, that, that place where we don't have to carry all of our burdens, but we can put them on the Lord and he will carry them for us as we give them to him. Did you ever have someone in your life who would not go away no matter how hard you tried? Every time you said no, they just keep coming back. Maybe a friend who wants to borrow money and you say no and they show up again and want to borrow some more money. Or maybe someone's asking you out on a date and you're not particularly interested in that person and you keep saying no, but they keep asking you over and over and over again. Or the kids want a new iPad and you tell them no, but they keep coming back and asking and asking and asking. Well, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18 in verses 1 to 7 about a situation where someone wouldn't take no for an answer. He says this in 18, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And so here's a story of a corrupt official who is not really doing his job and giving justice to this woman. And here's a persistent woman, and there's no compassion or no concern. Now, is there a message in this parable? Yes, but we have to be careful what that message is. Is God an unjust judge? Are we this marginalized widow? Do we have to keep pestering God in order to answer our prayers? And the answer is no. This parable is a parable of contrast, not comparison. All of Jesus' parables are not the same. And they're not always comparing an earthly situation to how God is. This is not a comparison, but it's a contrast. And really what Jesus is saying is that God is not like this judge, and we are not like this widow. The judge murmured and complained, and in verse 7 we read, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And there's the contrast. Jesus is saying this parable is not about how God treats us. The point of the parable is persistence, but in verse 7, he makes the contrast. Here's the unjust judge. But God will bring about justice. Even though this judge wasn't bringing about justice, God will. God is not the reluctant judge, and we are not the widow. 
The widow in Jesus' day was the bottom of the pecking order. She had nowhere to turn, and she had no husband, obviously, no family. And so she was at the bottom and had really very few rights. But as a child of the king, you are at the front of the line. As a child of the king, we are not this reluctant widow. We can turn to God at any moment. God doesn't delay. He never places you on hold or tells you to call back. He doesn't hide when you call. He hears our prayers. And so for that reason, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so Paul reminds us that what we do in moments of anxiety and fear is that we pray. In every situation, Paul calls us to take action against anxiety. And so far, he has reassured us of God's presence, of God's sovereignty, of God's mercy. And now it's our turn to act on that belief. We understand that God is sovereign, that he wants to hear from his children, that he is uh, present. And so knowing that, Paul is now calling us to action. We can choose prayer over despair. And so peace happens when we pray. A father was teaching his three-year-old daughter the Lord's Prayer, and she would repeat line after line after him, and finally she decided to go solo. He listened with pride as she carefully enunciated each word up until the end of the prayer, where she said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. And it seems like a, an appropriate request in our technological age to be delivered from the distractions of life. And those distractions sometimes can keep us from prayer, the busyness of life. Even in times of isolation and social distancing and everything that we're experiencing now, we can become consumed by our technology. And so Paul is calling us in these moments of anxiety not to turn to our technology, but to turn to prayer, to turn to God, the God who is near. God calls us, he says, to pray about everything. He uses three different terms in this uh, uh, verse in Philippians 4, 6. Prayer, petition, and request are similar, but they're not identical. Prayer is a general devotion. The word includes uh, worship and adoration. That root word uh, has the idea of, of worship, of, of coming before the King of Kings, of bowing our hearts before the Lord. Petition suggests humility. We are the supplicants. We are the ones doing the asking in the sense that we don't make demands, we simply offer our requests. And so that word petition is, we have a God who is ready to hear and answer our prayers, and so we simply lay our requests before him. And a request is a specific petition. We tell God exactly what we want. We pray the particulars of our problem. We put into words what it is that we are experiencing anxiety about. Jesus says for us to do the same Thing when we pray. There was a man who was born blind, and Jesus comes up and asks him a question, and in Luke 18, 41, Jesus says to the man, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, Lord, I want to see. Now, if you think about the situation, Jesus is walking up to a blind man, but yet Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, it would seem obvious as Jesus met the blind man that he needed to see. 
But he asked the man the question because he wanted the blind man to specifically verbalize what it is that he needed. Jesus wanted to hear the man articulate his specific request. And Jesus wants us to do the same thing. Even though he knows and he sees, he still asks us, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need in this time of anxiety, this time of worry, this time of uncertainty? What is it that you need? Jesus is asking us that question. What do you need? He wants, to, he wants the same from us. In Philippians chapter 4, 6, he says, present your request to God. So what do you need? When the wedding ran low on wine in John chapter 2, Mary didn't say, help us. She was very specific. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Seems like a no-brainer. But Jesus wanted to hear the specific request. The man who goes to a friend at midnight and says, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus said to him, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. The man just didn't go and say, I'm hungry, what do you have? He had a specific request, I need three loaves of bread. Even Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so we see in Scripture, we see in the Bible, as people prayed, they were very specific requests. They had a need, but they articulated it, not in generalities, but in specific ways. There are a couple things we can learn why specific prayers, specific requests are important. The first one is this. A specific prayer is a serious prayer. If I say to you, do you mind if I come to your house sometime? You may not take me seriously. It's just a general thing that I may or may not do when I get around to it. If I have the time, if I feel like it, if I need something from you. And so I say, I request, do you mind if I come to your house sometime? And you're like, ah, may or may not show up. But suppose I come to you and I say, can I come over to your house Friday night? I have a problem at work and I really need your advice. I promise I will be there by seven and I will leave by eight o'clock and I won't take up any more of your time than is necessary. What do you understand? You understand then that my petition is sincere. I've given it a time, a place, and a date. And so when we pray, our specific prayers means that we are sincere. It's not just a generality, but we look at our situation, we understand what it is that we need. The second reason is this. A specific prayer is an opportunity to see God work. We see him respond in specific ways to specific requests, and our faith grows. In the Old Testament, Abraham's servant was sent by Abraham to find a wife for Abraham's son. And so the servant wanted to know who he should pick for Abraham's son. And so he prayed this in Genesis chapter 24. Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughter of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I, might, that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. This guy was very specific. 
he had to find a way for Isaac and he was not going to mess this up. And so he, when he went to the well, he didn't say, I just need to pick one of these women to be the wife of Isaac. He was very specific. In fact, he said, when I ask her for a drink, I want the, I want the one who's going to offer to water the camels as well. And before he had finished praying in Genesis 24, 15, we read, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel and was the wife of Abraham's, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, uh, Nahor. So here comes Rebecca. What does the servant do? Ask her for water. She says, oh, I'll water your camels as well. It was an opportunity for the servant to see God at work. And so our specific prayers are opportunities for us to see God at work. I wonder sometimes if we don't see God working because our prayers are so general that he does answer, but we haven't asked specifically and we don't see when he answers. So it's important that we are specific about our prayers. A third reason that we should be specific about our prayers is that it creates a lighter load. If you remember in our conversations about fear and anxiety, the difference between fear and anxiety is this, fear has an object. I step outside in the warm sunshine and I see a snake lying on the grass, sunning itself, and I am fearful. There is a direct object. But if you remember, anxiety does not have a direct object. It's a vague feeling. It's something I really uh, I can't grasp. And if, somebody, uh, if I, uh, somebody asked me to describe it, I may not be able to describe it very well. And so when we want to be free from anxiety and we want to pray our prayers, we also have to be specific because anxiety is so general and so vague. And so general prayers of Lord bless me, be with me, don't address the specific load that we are bearing because we haven't articulated what is weighing us down. If you say, I'm not feeling well, can you bring me some medicine? It helps to know if it's heartburn or a back pain. Do I need to bring in an acid or an aspirin? Just the general, I'm not feeling well, doesn't help me to know how to treat whatever it is. And so I understand that when I'm specific in my request, I can come and I can uh, bring those things before the Lord. If we can bring the challenge of anxiety down to a word or two, we can bring it down in size. Remember, anxiety has this general, vague feeling. But when I'm specific and I can put that need into a word or two, what happens is that anxiety starts to shrink because now I can get a handle on it. Unnamed things bring anxiety. There's a lot of things that we can be anxious about, but have you specifically gone to the Lord about specific anxieties that you are feeling? A prayer of just, I don't want to get the virus is good, but it's general. There's more anxieties than that. Maybe it's a specific fear of unemployment. Maybe it's a specific fear or anxiety about a business closing down. Or maybe it's paying the bills or having food on the table. And the more specific we are, the more that we see God working when he answers those prayers, and it also creates a lighter load. If someone has ever asked you how you're doing, and you're like, ah, I don't know, it doesn't help very much. But as you talk, and as you articulate, and as you start to dig down deep, and you start to bring out and verbalize those things that are causing you not to feel well or to feel anxious, all of a sudden it creates a lighter load. Things that are named create lighter load. If you go to the doctor 
and the doctor does a scan and says, we see something and you go home, you don't feel very good. That something is very general, it's very vague, and our minds start to wander and anxiety start to build up. But when the doctor says, I see X, whatever X is, from mild to severe, just by naming it helps us to have a handle on it. And it's the same with our prayers. You know, God is moved by our sincere requests. Now, there's a caution though. Asking God for specific requests does not presume upon God and tell him what to do. We are not demanding. Remember, prayer is not about chanting the right words or having the right formula. God is not manipulated by our formulas or our eloquence. As his children, we honor him when we ask him and tell him exactly what we need. It's exactly what Jesus asked the blind man. It's exactly what God asked us. And the prayers, the people who prayed in the, in the scripture were very specific. How does it create a lighter load? This verse in 1 Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him, verse 7, because he cares for you. One of the reasons we can cast our anxieties is because God cares. He wants us to come to him. He wants his children to pray. He wants us to have this relationship with him. Casting is an intentional act to relocate an object. In fishing, casting is the act of throwing bait out over the water using a flexible fishing rod. If you've ever seen fly fishermen, they take the rod and they go back and forth. Whether they're casting, it's, and so casting is an intentional act to relocate an object. First Peter says, casting our concerns is a, is a relocation of our anxiety onto God. It's the same word that Luke uses in Luke 19, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and the disciples prepared the colt for Jesus to ride on it. In verse 35, Luke 19, they brought it to Jesus, the colt, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. That word for threw is cast. They cast their cloaks upon the colt. And that's what 1 Peter is asking us to do. 1 Peter is asking us to cast our anxiety, to throw our anxieties upon him. Let this casting this throwing be your first response to bad news. When anxiety swells up in you, cast that anxiety onto Christ. God will let us carry the load. He won't force it from us. He won't wrestle it from us. But I have a choice whether to carry it or to cast it. And I need to do this specifically and immediately. What's the thing I'm carrying that I need to cast upon him? Take your problem to Jesus and simply say, you said you would help me. Will you? Would you help me? There's an interesting verse in Isaiah chapter 43. And God says this, review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. What God is doing was he was inviting, there was an invitation to come and say, Review the past for me. Look at all the things that have happened. Look at all the things that have done. And let us argue. Now, this isn't an argument that like we get in with people where we try to get louder and we try to... No, it's, it's, it's a, an argument is um, like in a court trial where we are uh, putting forth our arguments, putting forth a reason. Come, let us reason together. That's what God wants us to do as his children. 
He wants us to come and he wants us to put this out before him. And he invites this dialogue with us. If you remember when God had revealed to Abram that he was going to destroy Sodom and, he, and Abraham keeps says, would you destroy it for 50? Would you destroy it for 40? Would you destroy it for 10? God says, no, not for 50, not for 40, not for 10. What was Abraham doing? He was having this case and presenting it to God. God wants us to have this dialogue. And so it's those specific ways that we come and we present our request to him. We simply trust in God's promises. God, you said you walk with me through the waters. In Psalm 23, Lord, you said that, that when I go through these dark valleys that you would be with me and, and I wouldn't have to fear. You said you would never leave me or forsake me. And so we build our prayers around the promises of God. What are the things that God has promised and said that he would do for us and with us? This is why understanding God's sovereignty is so important. We can build our prayers on his promises because of his sovereignty he can bring those promises to pass because he is in control, because he can move things. He can bring those promises to pass. I can't make promises that I can't keep. I can't promise that life will never have heartache. I can't promise that there will never be pain. But because of God's sovereignty, he can make promises and he will keep them. The problem is I don't have control over external circumstances. I don't have control over much or most of life. And so the, pro the, only, the promises I make that the ones I can keep are the places where I have choices. But God's sovereign, and so he keeps his promises. In fact, in Psalm 145, verse 13, it says this, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And so I trust his promise, and I cast my anxiety and when I do that, I understand that the sovereign Lord is hearing my prayer. Your answer may not come overnight, but it will come and you will overcome. The path to peace is paved with prayer. More prayer-filled thoughts means less anxious thoughts. Simply asking God in humble petition is a way that we can cast our anxiety upon him. Specific requests define our anxiety so that way we can see the answer when it comes. Have you ever tried something and it just ended in despair? We know what despair feels like. We just throw up our hands and we walk away and we say, why bother? Maybe you're the person asking for the date and the person's always saying no. And you say, eventually, you just despair. Why bother? You just hang your head and give up. You say, you know what, I'm going to be the next Steph Curry or LeBron James. And so I go out on the court. I can't dribble and walk at the same time. And after I try about five minutes, I'm like, throw my hands up and away I go. We despair when we understand our attempts are futile, that they're not going to accomplish the things that we're trying to do. It's just not working. Perhaps you're despairing during this pandemic because your attempts at trying to get what you want are not succeeding. The things that we are trying to get are not working, and we feel that we are in despair. We want safety. We want everything to be good and calm, and then when we don't experience safety 
And when we ex don't experience calm, we realize that it's not ours to control in the first place, and we just throw up our hands in despair. We want a sense of security, and we just want to know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, and, and because we don't know, we despair. None of those things are, are guaranteed. And so we attempt to fill the void of safety and security by taking in more news. We just want to know. We want to hear some good news. We want to hear the, the news that confirms what I already believe. We want to hear more science. We want to hear about a vaccine. We want to hear about an end to the virus. And so when we don't hear that, we start to what? Despair because we are trying through our information to control the situation and we can tend to throw our hands up and say, this isn't working. Those things will not help our sense of well-being. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time when you were watching the news that you felt a sense of peace? <laughs> When's the last time when you watched the news or, or, or read your news feed on Twitter, whatever it is, when's the last time you went and you're like, man, I feel so much better. <laughs> I have a, a better sense of peace now than I did before I, I started watching the news. Maybe you have the TV on in the background and you're not even watching it, but you're listening to it, doing other things in the house. And you're like, man, I'm so glad I watched that. I feel so much better about the world. I feel so much better about people. I feel so much better about the, about the future. I can guarantee you probably that has almost never happened, ever. There are good things that are reported, and yes, we can feel hopeful, but they eventually fade as well. At the end of this parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, verse 8, Here's what Jesus says. Remember, it's a parable of contrast. It's, it's not saying that God is the judge and you are the widow. It's contrast that this is a, a real life situation, but this isn't how it works with God. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Jesus says this, I tell you, he will see that they get justice. Remember, the unjust judge was not giving justice to the widow. And Jesus is saying, it's not like that with God. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, and this is, a, this is a huge however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You can replace that word faith with faithfulness. Faithfulness or faith is an active thing that we are doing. It's actively trusting. It's faithing it as we go through life. And Jesus in this parable says this, the widow went and asked for justice and she didn't get it. It was to, to teach us to be persistent in prayer and to keep on asking. And God's not like the judge and uh, he will get justice. And remember, God's timetable is not our timetable. It will eventually come, uh, but it may not come today. And in the meantime, we persistently pray. We ask our specific request and Jesus says this. What's he looking for? He's looking for faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is doing the thing that I need to be doing no matter what's going on. Faithfulness is keeping my commitments and keeping my promises and keeping my, my trusting in Jesus even though I don't see the answer. It's faithfully doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And Jesus said in verse 8, that's what he's looking for when he comes. He wants to see his faithful people doing what they're supposed to be doing trusting him, praying, and seeking 
on earth, in the here and now, no matter what's going on. Faith that hears and faith, a uh, faithfulness that understand that God hears my prayers because I have a high priest, Jesus, who's interceding for me. A faith that God hears because I have the Holy Spirit interceding for me even when I can't articulate it. I just have those groanings in my heart. Faith that, that understands that God hears my prayers because the whole Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working to bring my requests and work in my requests. Psalm 145, 18 says this, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. We talk about the nearness of God, and Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4, The Lord is near, do not be anxious. And because the Lord is near, I can turn to him in prayer. It's not a physical turning. It's not like God is behind me and I need to turn around and talk to him. But I need to turn in a sense that I turn from trying to do it myself. I turn from looking for the answers that only the world can give. I turn from my self-improvement plan. I turn from my, uh, my, my, my self-talk plan of trying to calm myself down. I turn from all of those and I turn to the Lord. Why? Because he is near. and He's ready and willing and able to hear our prayer. And here's the thing that Paul promises us in Philippians chapter 4. When I do my petitions and my prayer and my requests, and Paul says, here is the result. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the way we find peace. In the midst of anxiety, in the midst of worry, in the midst of turmoil, I need to turn those anxious thoughts into prayerful thoughts. And what happens is it will guard your heart and your minds. What is that? That's the totality of your being. That's a, that's, a, that's, that's a core of who you are. Your heart and your mind is the essence of who you are. Have you ever found that faith is probably more tangible during trials than it is at other times of life? When things are going well and we're celebrating, we don't have much worry. Faith is there, but really what happens is when I trust, when I am in trials, my faith is, all, I can almost grasp a hold of it because it is so very real. When the Son of Man comes, will he find us being faithful? You see, the path to peace is prayer, petition, and presenting your requests. The path to peace is not what the world would offer to us, but it's what God is willing and able to give to us. Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow to keep praying and to understand that we keep asking him and going before him. And we can either pray, uh, be in prayer or we can be in despair. The choice is ours. We can't blame God that he's not doing anything. We can't blame God that he's not near because his promises says he is near. And, the, and Paul says, and when I pray, I will experience this peace. Do you need that peace in this anxiety moment of life? Do you need that anxiousness to be quelled down? I don't do like the surgeon and try to calm myself down. In fact, if you've ever tried to calm yourself down, it almost revs you up more and you become more anxious. But I can talk to God. 
and I can cast my anxieties upon him. And this peace, it's a peace I don't understand. Paul said, the peace that passes all understanding, it's beyond understanding. Our, our human minds don't understand how it works, but here's one thing we do know, it, it works. We simply take God at his word. Paul says, if you will pray, and if you will, in those anxious moments, because the Lord is near, you will have this peace that, that defies understanding. But I'm faithful to do it. And then I see the fruit of that faithfulness in this inexplicable peace that the presence of God gives me as I pray. The choice is ours. Prayer or despair. I choose to pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have the promise of peace that passes all understanding as we pray. So Father, help us to be faithful prayers, to specifically ask what we need from you, to cast our anxieties upon you, and Lord, to look for the ways that you work to relieve those burdens and lift those anxieties. And Father, help us walk through these dark moments. Father, we thank you for the great promises of your word that you are the God who is near you're the God who hears. So Father, may we be faithful prayers, people who trust you. And oh, Lord, we desire that peace. And we want that anxiety to be lessened in our lives as we pray. We thank you that you're the God who can do that in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.